0: Today is Friday, December 22nd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dana Andros, a newly freed man, just spent the longest amount of time in prison ever. For anyone who has been wrongly convicted of a crime, love we'll that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Email us, Podcast at CBN. Dot or Joining me to get through the news of the Cray, as we do each and every weekday, bright and early. Billy Hallowell, Trey Gones, Phillips. Gentlemen, what's up? It's our last show before the holiday week. What's going on? Yeah,
1: yeah. well,
2: we're still here. Billy, Dan, and Trey bringing the Cray. <laughs> <laughs> but we can officially wish everybody a Merry Christmas.
0: Yes, we certainly can because uh, it's, mon- it's Monday, can right? We we will. It's Monday, right? 23, 24. Yeah, it's on Monday.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's happening.
0: It is happening here. And um, we're going to still get through the news of the cry for today, though, on this Friday episode while we still can. And there's a lot to get to. Great story on Hulk Hogan, of all people.
2: Yeah, super cool story. He actually just gave his life to Jesus and got baptized. So we'll talk a bit about the background there and his story. So super cool.
0: Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And on the main thing, Billy, we got an update, really compelling interview you had with the wife of an Arizona street preacher who was shot in the head.
1: Yeah. Zulia Schmidt um, spoke with us about her husband's ordeal, gave us some updates on how he's doing and really some details that are just pretty shocking and also, you know, faith building.
0: Yeah. Yeah. she really talked about what's sustaining her and how she's able to function. It's really, it's really, really um, compelling stuff, but also um, just, we need to hear it because That's someone certainly we need to be praying for. So looking forward to all of that and more coming up. But first, we're gonna get through the news here in 90 seconds. An Oklahoma judge earlier this week declared innocent, a man who spent, get this, 48 years in prison for a murder he did not commit. It is thought to be the longest amount of time served by anyone wrongfully convicted in the U.S. His name is Glenn Simmons. He's now 70. He was thrown into jail 48 years ago at the age of 22. He says, this is a day we've been waiting for on a long for a long, long time. And it finally came. We can say justice was done today. Finally. And I'm happy. He was convicted of murdering. Carolyn Sue Rogers during a liquor store robbery on December 30th, 1974. The prosecution's case, it kind of depended on this one testimony of an 18-year-old woman who was shot in the head and they, they didn't reveal all the details of other people she misidentified before they went to trial. And he maintained his innocence throughout all of this. And finally, finally, it's been overturned. Even though the limit... For possible compensation for his troubles. 48 years of it is at $175,000. And billionaire Len Blavatnik has stopped his apparent flood of donations to Harvard University over its handling of President Claudine Gay's recent appearance before Congress. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Real quick before we move on to, I want to talk about this freed man But the Harvard story. There's another huge donor here who's giving. This guy has supposedly given 270 million dollars to Harvard. Uh, Just a quick question before we move on here. What? Why does Harvard need 270 million dollars from from some one dude? Like this
1: is. Isn't that what they charge a year for tuition? I know
0: that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I don't understand. If you get into Harvard, it's it's incredibly. The acceptance rates are incredibly low. Given the amount the endowments that they have at this point, billions of dollars in endowments, like you throw all this money into an ing account, nobody should pay to ever go to Harvard. If you just if you get into Harvard, you should just go for free. It's ridiculous. Why would anyone have to pay to go there? I mean, an seems ING like a, yeah, it seems like a scandal. This is like an American greed scandal. These, these Ivy League universities. Um, but I digress. That's that's uh, an update on the on that on the anti-Semitism on campus. But this guy Glenn Simmons. Man, what a story. It's really incredible that he actually testified and had people to verify this. Several witnesses testified um, that they saw him and the other guy that he was convicted with. They weren't even in Oklahoma at the time of the robbery. He was in Louisiana playing pool. And several witnesses, like I said, they testified to this fact. They saw him there and the day after. How this thing went through is beyond comprehension it's it's honestly it's evil that that you could have that bad of a case and go forward in good conscience and put somebody in knowing because i one other thing and i'll let you guys react but that the woman the 18 year old who testified uh let me see if i want to get this detail right here um but she um She was interviewed by police days after being shot in the head during this robbery. She said she couldn't remember much, but by the time of the trial, she said she had identified Simmons and his co-defendant in a lineup. She testified that she identified no other suspects, just those two. But in reality, she had actually identified four other individuals during eight separate lineups, and none of them were Simmons or his co-defendant. That's just... That's an abomination. And this guy should get, if 175000 this guy, look, this guy giving $270 million to Harvard, how about you pause that and give this guy a few million dollars? This, If anyone deserves a lump sum payment at this guy so he doesn't have to worry about money, it's this guy.
1: Yeah, well, and, and let me just say, this is obviously, I love America. I think we have the best, you know, system in the world, but the system has a lot of issues, obviously. And Well, it's run you know, by sinners. Like <laughs> so. Right, right. But I think when you're talking about, let's just keep in mind, too, in this particular case, he was actually sentenced to death. Yes, okay? yep. That's and true. In 19 In 1977, he was given a sentence of life in prison. They changed it. But this is somebody, this is, as far as I know, and this is according to some information from the Death Penalty Information Center, he is the 195th person to be exonerated after being sentenced to death yeah, since 1973. That that's unacceptable. Well, and that's, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, and like that is, the death penalty is supposed to be in crimes when you absolutely know right like you cannot you cannot go into a, a death it's just it's really honestly it's complete and total sin to enter into a death sentence when you got circumstantial evidence when you're basing it on something like this it, it really it just is sin and it's wicked and it's evil
2: yeah well i i can understand I mean, I know there are a lot of reasons why certain people are against the death penalty, but I can understand this being one of the reasons, right? What was the number you said, Billy? He's the 195th person exonerated. So there are other people probably. Yeah, that that have not been exonerated. So with that number that high, I can understand why people want to hit the pause button on the death penalty because that should be concerning, I think, to anybody, regardless of your moral position on the death penalty nobody should be okay with the well, potential for this many innocent people potentially being uh put to death when they obviously never committed a crime so there's that but then also I wonder for people who are convicted like in 2023 and they're put on the put on death row and given the death penalty I don't know if the mistake number would be that high at this at this point it would still be high I'm sure like there' would still be would people that, that fell through the cracks but I wonder if it would be the same because racism i would hope is going to obviously play lesser of a role and i'm certain that racism certainly played a role in some of these crimes that happened decades and decades ago and then also with technology too right we're we're able to convict with more certainty right with dna because dna comes in later we have all this we have all this evidence that we did have available to us in the 50s 60s and 70s
0: yeah i I agree and you know in regards to the death penalty uh, argument and it's like i think Death penalty proponents and death penalty opponents alike would agree that, look, if we can't administer this properly, then it shouldn't be there. Because I think death penalty proponents are are operating under the assumption that you're going to faithfully and um, judiciously use that punishment in cases where it's absolutely certain, right? Where where we (laughs) know that someone's going there, not just this higgly piggly, well, that's the one that it's called for, so I guess you get it. I mean... I mean, you got to recommend the death penalty. It's got to be a big deal, and it's got to be obvious. And clearly, this case did not live up to that. So these people fell short. But man, forty-eight years in prison, guys—that's
1: twenty-two years old. Think of where you were. I'm no, forty-eight now. That's my his whole life, life is done. His his life is lost to a system that. Should and here's the thing I just want to make this one last thing. One thing we should be doing is looking at where are the concentration of these exonerations happening, right? Because if they're and and what we do know again, according to the same organization I mentioned before, actually, Dan, your neck of the woods, Philadelphia County, Pennsylvania, um, Cayuga County, Ohio, and then um, Oklahoma, these are places where there are a lot of these cases. So we need to look at police misconduct. What's going on there? How are these cases right. being handled? I think those are important things for us to be doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no doubt about it for sure. But um, I, I will just throw in one other thing. Bill, you said his life was over and he he lost basically his, his whole life. But I think this is a chance. I don't know what this man's faith is or if he has any faith at all. But if he does, this would be a great chance for him to Speak and draw people to the Lord in the midst of this, and so even in this later years in life, he can he can certainly point people to God still if he's a Christian. I have no idea; I haven't seen anything about about that. So I'm um, I'm just saying that despite him losing the majority of his life, his freedom, um, he can still glorify God in the midst of that. And I hope he does. I hope he does. I, I don't know. A lot of people in prison, you know, when they they have nothing to do but read, and you know you, you have ministries going in there. You hear a lot of people who turn, who turn to Christ in that situation. So, so hopefully that was the case for him, but though I I can't confirm that at all. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. So, but it's I'm glad he's free. You know, I, I'm glad he didn't rot away for his entire life in prison. So, all right, we're gonna head over to the focus story now, and Hulk Hogan, he gave his life to Christ. Great videos going viral getting baptized. What do we know here?
2: Yeah, so this is an awesome story. I think a great story to kind of end the 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 podcast for the week going into Christmas. There's something encouraging to think about. So obviously, former pro wrestler Hulk Hogan, uh, he posted on his social media earlier this week uh, that he's given his life to Jesus. He's 70 years old. He posted on X, obviously formerly... Twitter. He said, Total surrender and dedication to Jesus is the greatest day of my life. No worries, no hate, no judgment, only love. Uh, and he posted, as you said, Dan, a video of his baptism that's kind of going viral. And it wasn't just him who got baptized. His wife, also, her name is Sky Hogan. Uh, she was baptized as well alongside her husband at Indian Rocks Baptist Church in Florida. Uh, and Indian Rocks Baptist wrote in their own Instagram, uh, in, a, in, in his Instagram post, uh, God is doing amazing things at Indian indian rocks uh, and the video obviously shows uh, hogan and his wife uh, being baptized by their pastor and they both were wearing uh, you know white shirts and he was wearing his signature you know the the headband that he always has on if you've ever seen him in any of his uh, interviews or former wrestling videos obviously and then a gold cross necklace so uh, he shared a little bit uh, about his faith too uh, he said that he accepted Christ uh, as his savior at 14 years old and the training prayers and vitamins kept me in the game but now that I am one with God the main event and theme of <clears throat> the main event and theme of surrender service and love makes me the real main event uh, that can slam any giant of any size through the power of my Lord and Savior, uh, so yeah, interesting story. Also, really encouraging too that he's uh, he's come to Christ and is uh, using his platform to to talk about his faith. I think that's that's really encouraging too when somebody who has such a big platform not only comes to faith but is not ashamed of it and is willing to talk about it with with other people.
0: Yeah, and he's got kind of a great. I mean, obviously the wrestling people know him from that. But uh, I, I worked at a time at for nine seventy WFLA in Tampa, Florida. And there was a guy there, a radio personality there named Bubba the Love Sponge, and he was basically a Howard Stern type spinoff. And so there was, uh, he they were we had a radio cluster there, so there were a lot of different stations, and he was in there, and it was always you know people from the strip club coming in there, and just very um, shady, debaucherous kind of stuff going on there, highly sexual in nature. And Hulk Hogan was best friends with this guy for a time. And there was a whole scandal that happened with a with a sex tape video that came out, and I won't get bo- bored with the details on it. but but bottom line, when that all happened, I remember this was I don't know, what ten years ago or something now. But I think I saw a quote from Hulk Hogan that stuck with me, and it was, and I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially talked about this. He did an interview after the whole thing went viral and and it was big embarrassment. And he talked about how awful he felt right away when he when he did this act, um, and I just remember thinking, oh, you know, I kind of was hoping that maybe this would lead to some faith, because clearly he was, you know, with the wrong friends at that time, especially if he had come to faith earlier in life and wasn't really following it. Like these are the types of friends who are not going to point you to Jesus, and. So seeing that background and then seeing him now come around now after all the wreckage living in that kind of lifestyle earlier in his life caused, you know, it's great to see the redemption. I love a good redemption story and uh, I hope. He's able to use that to point people to God here in the future.
2: It is really encouraging to see to see stories like this, especially if it's somebody with, with such a radical transformation, as you were saying, Dan. Uh, all of the stories of conversion are, are important. And it's great to see the Holy Spirit doing, uh, doing that transformation in any, anybody's life. But I think when you see it like that radically, it's really encouraging to know what the Lord can do in, in someone's life.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it just speaks to the broader patterns that we're seeing right in Hollywood of all of these people who've experienced fame, money, notoriety, realizing that, you know, that's not what's going to fulfill you yeah. or sustain you. And and that is a message that should not be lost on people inside the church and, and outside. These are, you know, major testaments to God's grace and mercy. So it's, it's pretty incredible to watch.
0: Yeah. The Lord's arms are not too short to save. And No one is beyond the reach of our mighty and powerful uh, God, our Savior. And so that's something great to keep in mind. All right, we're going to head over to the main thing now. Appreciate you bringing that one to the podcast today, Trey. And the wife of an Arizona man who was shot in the head last month while street preaching in Glendale, Arizona said she and her family have witnessed a miracle every day after doctors initially assumed her husband wouldn't survive at all. Her name is Zulia Schmidt, and she's the wife of 26-year-old Hans Schmidt. And Billy caught up with her
1: for today's main thing. Zulia, you have been through quite a bit over the past month, and I appreciate you joining us today. I wanted to Start with the beginning of the story. On November 15th, last month, your husband was shot, and this is a story that has been in headlines across the country, across the world. Can you take us through what happened that day?
3: Um, So my husband was street preaching. I mean, he's been doing that for over a year, Um, and usually he street preaches for 30 minutes before every evening service for our church, and... I remember that day, like, he just ended street preaching early, and I thought that was odd. I was like, maybe he's just not feeling it tonight or something. And then, yeah, like, I didn't even know what had happened. I just saw him, like, I heard him loading up the sound system back in the car. He gets in the car, drives the car to the church. And at this point, I had seen that, you know, he was bleeding. And I'm like, are you okay? I thought someone maybe just threw a bottle at him. I had no idea what really had happened. He drives our vehicle to the church, unloads the sound system. He's about to get our daughter down. And and I'm like, no, like, you can't. Like, you're all bloody. We need to go home and get you cleaned up. And... Luckily, my brother showed up at that point. He's like, "No, we need to get you to the hospital." So my brother ends up driving him to the hospital, and on the way to the hospital, is when he kind of started throwing up and stuff. And and as soon as we got there to the emergency room, he started um, seizing. And like even the doctors and the the medical staff didn't even know that he was the that this was a gunshot wound. They thought that mean maybe-
1: none of you knew. Yeah. I mean that it's so it's so crazy that you were you were with him. He's driving. I mean you had no idea. You assumed it was an assault. That was the initial. Yeah. But at that point, once you got to the hospital, then they realized that something more was going on.
3: Yeah, they didn't even until they did a CT scan afterwards. Then they realized, oh, there's a bullet in him It's up. So, yeah, then. That was pretty much it. That's the whole situation. And it's just kind of a waiting game. And they've done.
1: What was your reaction to hearing that, Zulia? What was your, to hearing that there was a bullet? Because that's a very different situation than what you thought had happened.
3: Yeah. Oh, my heart sank. Like, yeah. it's you know, from, okay, you know, but yeah, maybe he needs some stitches too. Oh, gosh. Like, this, this is way worse than I had even, you know, assumed it was. And, Yeah. It, yeah, it was, Yeah, I just felt sick to my stomach once I realized it was a gunshot wound. In. And then I remember like even when we got to the urgent care, like he was like non-responsive. So it was it was it was hard.
1: And you I mean, you have two young children and here you are in a situation. What were the doctors telling you as far as once they realized what was happening and they're treating him. What what were they saying in terms of his chances and, and what was going to potentially happen in those in those days?
3: That he, that talks you just said it's devastating. It's devastating. That's that's the one word I remember from the night. Every doctor, every nurse just said it's devastating. It's devastating. And I'm just like, like, I felt so sick. It's like that's the last thing you want to hear, you know. Like you start questioning, like how, like yeah. what's the last thing I told them, you know, or like. Yeah, or why wasn't I paying attention? You start questioning everything. Um, and, yeah, and I mean, even, even, I remember, like, even the neurosurgeons, they said they're, like, we're waiting for neurosurgeons to come talk to you and stuff. And they're, like, yeah, it's devastating. No one wanted to touch it. They are like, yeah, no one's going to touch it. No neurosurgeons. Yeah. It's just not operable. And then even just hearing the detective say, like, well no more after the autopsy it's like what like it felt like it was you just you heard the, the detectives after-
1: <laughs> oh my gosh wow how did you because you have been you've posted on social media you know you had a message on thanksgiving that was really inspirational and very powerful how did you keep the faith how have you kept the faith in these weeks with having two young children going through all of this chaos how have you been able to do that to keep your faith
3: honestly i'm i'm like shocked you know like how oh i honestly think it's people's prayers you know like that's the only way i can explain it because there's been moments where i'm like how am i this okay you know like you even feel guilty for not crying it's like because i've seen it and it's like it's so you know like in the beginning like just seeing him like connected to everything where it's almost like he doesn't even look like himself it's like yeah you start questioning like yeah you start questioning everything but it's like I know it's people's prayers and I know God has a plan in all of this because there's no other way to explain it like like how, the ugliness that I would see and just the peace that I had I remember just like when he was in the ICU like I'm say everything's gonna be all right like how do you say that <laughs> when everything does not look all right <laughs> So, yeah,
1: when you're hearing police officers say, well, no, after the autopsy, I mean, that that instills such a hopelessness in people. And yet there you were being hopeful, asking people for prayers. And I love that you're crediting the prayer for what has happened. I, you know, I don't I want you to share what you're comfortable sharing. But where are we now? We're a little more than a month out from the, this shooting. And he was in ICU with very little hope. Where is he right now? How is he faring right now?
3: um so right now he's made a lot of progress you know i mean but in the days of progress there's still frustration there's still difficult days yes we're grateful but it doesn't mean you know the days aren't hard you know i'm like just see your loved one in that situation it's not easy especially when you know he he was the main provider for our household and he would go to work and now it's like you see your person it's like a whole reset they have to relearn everything and the brain is such a sensitive thing that we don't know still you know like what's going to happen what tomorrow's gonna look like what a year from now is going to look like i mean we're hopeful and we're praying and we're contending for like a supernatural recovery but there's just so much unknown still so much uncertainty but it's like every day we've been able to witness a miracle from that first night where they're like you're gonna start seeing blood just come out and like. <laughs> The holes, like his ears is stuff, too. So it's like he made it past day one, and now here we are, a little over a month, and it's like the progress he has made. It's just amazing. I and mean, now he's a little bit, he understands a bit more, like the situation. But we still don't know a hundred percent how much he understands because he's unable to communicate at the moment, you know. So, but
1: but he is awake. But he is awake, and he is making progress yes, right now. Yes. That's that is incredible. And it's something you're giving us prayer points here because I was going to ask you how to pray, but I think what you're describing, you're telling us what we can be praying for and anybody listening or watching this, you know, praying for you, praying for your children, praying for for him. And as far as finding the person who did this, um do you, I mean, it, do the police have any leads on on that?
3: Honestly, I don't. I don't even think so. I don't know at this point. I, in a way, like, I don't even care. I don't have the energy (laughs) to really worry about that. Yes, I wish that person wasn't on the street. That would bring me some comfort and peace. But at the same time, it's like the harm has already been done, you know? Like,
1: well, and I wanna, and I wanna thank you for your faith and the way that you have handled yourself and, you know it's inspiring people and it's speaking to people and it's showing people what faith you were saying before i can't even believe you know that i've been able to be this calm and be this peaceful and i think that's evidence of faith that people are seeing in you and in your family and i just appreciate you i know it's it's crazy right now sharing with us so that people know how to be praying for you and your family zulia really appreciate your time
0: all right billy thanks for that conversation there man that was that was something else. And we really need to be praying for their family. I mean, to hear right at the end, there saying that he's still kind of unresponsive, um, even though there's progress being made. I mean, what a terrifying situation.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's, you know, they don't know the motive. And, and I love the fact that She's just focused on getting her husband better. She's not letting anger at whoever did this overtake her. Yeah, That's her area of focus. Um, And I want to just mention the family does need financial help. And there is a GoFundMe. We have it over on CBN News and Faithwire where people can, if they would want to, they can help them out this holiday season.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll put the link to the GoFundMe in the article um, in the description of this podcast episode. All right. Well, that's going to leave us with time before we head on Christmas vacation for one last thing on the podcast today. We're going to go take a look at Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. And look, I mean, I don't think that necessarily means on earth that you're going to fall. You see a lot of people living it up here on earth, but it's when you, when you have these material blessings here, that's going to be your blessing if that's all you care about and you won't have an eternal blessing from anything material in this world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a powerful word, especially this time of year.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think going into Christmas and uh, Jesus is the whole reason we're celebrating. And he was a promise of, of eternity, right? He was showing us how to live during his time on earth.
0: Absolutely. All right. Great spot to leave it. um, For this Christmas week ahead of, Christmas and the New Year's We're going to be off next week But we will be back Not long after that Enjoy your Christmas Have a fantastic and blessed Christmas God bless And we'll see you when we get back